podcast with Hannah Cockcroft. Hello, I'm Hannah Cockcroft and this is the official Paralympics GB podcast, a show that gets under the skin of my fellow Paralympics GB teammates and discovers exactly what it's like to represent Britain on the world stage and a show that right now is marking the 10-year anniversary of that fantastic London 2012 Games. Today, my guest is discus gold medalist Dan Greaves, for whom the London Paralympics was his fourth Games, having already competed at Athens, Sydney and Beijing, picking up gold, silver and bronze medals along the way, and he's picked up a few since then too. Despite all those amazing achievements though, what I associate most with Dan is him being the first face I saw after I raced for the first time in that London stadium, and I was in a total daze, like a total dream world, and you came running over to the edge of the track and you just screamed in my face. You were like, come on, Anna! Do you you remember that? Uh, Yeah, vaguely. I... (sighs) I think I screamed at a lot of people during 2012, <laughs> even just in the streets. <laughs> oh, I was so excited. I guess like like we all were. Like you know, we'd done the GB kit and we just couldn't go anywhere. And yeah, it was insane. But yeah, I do have that recollection. I think I don't know whether it was at the track. Was it? I thought it was at the warm up track, or was it at the actual? Was it in the stadium? Because I've got, I I've got this recollection. Is it in the stadium? Because my oh yeah, my mind's ten years ago is. Uh, Especially for an old boy like me, it's hard to remember. But yeah, I, I, I can remember. I tell you what, I can remember actually seeing your race, and then I think we went into the stadium. I think that's probably where, as I was going through call up and, and everything else, I think that's probably where we had that screaming embrace. It could have been, you know. But yeah, I'll always remember it because I was just so zoned out. I was so confused as to what I was supposed to do. And yeah, you just. Uh, you just woke me up a little bit from this trance. <laughs> Everybody is standing already. She's getting an ovation. The flashlights are going off. Unbelievable performance. This sport has found another genuine superstar. The golden girl from Halifax has done it again. And it's a Paralympic record to boot. Oh, just thinking, of, even thinking about that just whole, the warm-up track to the stadium... The vibe was just incredible, wasn't it? You know, like with the games makers and going over the bridge and just seeing that iconic stadium. I mean, it was always like a gladiatorial arena. And being, I think one of my fondest moments, I don't know about you, was the anticipation of noise. It's like being in the call room and going, geez, this is actually real and it's loud and I can't wait to get out there. And it was, you could just hear it and you could hear the bellows coming down like the hallway and. Just everybody was just like, as soon as they saw the GB top, they just were like so passionate and wanted to hug you every second. And it was just like, I was, it was just a crazy, crazy time, wasn't it? Just to think about it back, like, but just think about it back now. No games has ever, I think, ever touched the surface on London 2012. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, actually. You'd already had success at a, a couple of games before that. I mean, let's just pause here. I had to look this up and I don't think I realised or appreciated how much of a legend you actually are. So silver at Sydney in 2000, gold in Athens 2004, bronze in Beijing 2008. Then we got to London where you won the silver. I mean, for me, London 2012 was my first game. So I think I went in very... just blasé about the whole thing. Just like, oh, this is a Paralympic Games. This is really cool. This is what I expected it to be but I always kind of wish that I'd had some kind of experience before it so I could really appreciate it for what it was I mean for you did it did it feel special did it feel different to the other games 
Yeah, massively. You know, um, for me, I think I entered Paralympic sport like yourself um, at the turning point. So Barcelona kind of was was relatively there's relatively kind of good interest obviously not the scale we're seeing right now in Paralympic sport then Atlanta was a bit of a dipping point like they didn't really hit the figures that they thought they might do in the states they really wanted to try and break the states and get everybody infused and it, it from this is just going from the participants kind of side them and some of my competitors and, and teammates that were, were at Atlanta and just said it was just a little bit of a flop then Sydney happens and they were like it was basically the London 2012 at that period of time and you know it was just incredible there was 60 you know 60,000 people in that stadium but the stadium held 120 so it almost is like half empty where you know and that's that's the crazy thing it was like oh there's only you know there's a few there's a good lot of spare seats but Sydney's uh, Olympic Stadium was 120,000 seats a stadium it's massive so to try and fill that for Paralympics and, you know, for averaging like I think 20 to 40,000 a day in athletics, but it looks sparse because of the sheer size of the stadium. And for me, exactly what you described there was that was a turning point and everyone was really then hyped from Sydney. So I got to kind of feel what you got, but on a, you know, London was like 10 times, if not 100 times better because what, 80,000 every day for a week or 10 days and yeah, going through the games, it was really just a slow development until London. China, Beijing was a completely different feel to any Paralympics I've been to. I've been to two beforehand, which were quite quite different. Like Sydney, you know, it's it's a nice, it's a it's a really nice city. Athens, like beautiful infrastructure. Beijing, we didn't really get to see much of it. There was like like lots of smog and smoke and. Like just a completely different vibe about the place, and and I just obviously <laughs> I underperformed, and we all hate the games where we underperform and um, we don't reach our potential. But just didn't hold that same kind of atmosphere that the other games do. And then in walks London twenty twelve and completely blows, in my mind, the others out of the water. Nothing can compare to that, um, and I still probably hand on heart say the same right to this day. Do you reckon though it was? Because it was a home games, home crowd. Is that was that the best thing about it, or was it more than that? I think I don't know about you. Sat, sitting at home and watching the Olympics, going through my mind, and I was my wife Amanda was a girlfriend at the time. We sat and um, I was really infused, and my mate Greg Rutherford obviously then <laughs> went on to become Olympic champion, and we looked at ourselves, and Amanda said, "Imagine if if this is like you." in a few weeks time for, for and I was like nah don't be silly I said we'll probably be able to get a few people there and the opening ceremony happened and we I don't know whether, when you arrived but we we arrived on the opening ceremony night getting accreditation and stuff when the fireworks were going off and I was like okay this is happening and I was uh, sharing an apartment with Dave Weir at the time and we went for a morning coffee and he went what's that noise I said, I don't know, mate. And it was them getting the crowd warmed up. And there was like 80,000 people of a morning session of day one of the athletics. And to my and Dave's astonishment, we both like haven't heard this before. And he was like, yeah, there's people. The people have come to watch. And I think from day one, I think had, had it been a slow burner and there'd been a few people there and it would have picked up and picked up. But from day one, people wanted to see the festival of sport of both the Olympics and Paralympics. And I think they got so involved in the Olympics. 
they got doubly involved for the Paralympics and they wanted to know more and more. And it was just a great catalyst for our sport. It was unbelievable. You know, it's so funny that you tell that story about the noise because I remember warming up for my first my, my first heat and I could hear this noise and I turned to Peter, Peter Erickson, my coach at the time, and I went, what is that noise? It's really annoying. And he went, you should probably get used to that because you're about to race in front of it. That's the crowd. And then yeah. I was like, oh, oh my gosh. And it, it did, didn't it? The closer you got to the stadium, the louder and louder it got. Just, I just, I remember sitting under the the final call under the stadium and every other girl in my race just looked like really pale or they looked green and I could not stop smiling. I was so excited to get out there. Like just that noise was phenomenal, wasn't it? I was going to say, like, how did you feel being your first major, major champs, obviously world champs before in New Zealand? How did you feel about the anticipation of going to a Paralympics and then all of a sudden it being such on a grand stage? I loved it. I loved every second of it. And I think, to be honest, I was in the best place with it being my first games because there was no expectation on me whatsoever. You know, going in there, no one knew who I was. And ultimately, I don't really feel like anyone cared because they cheered for you if you were in a British shirt. If you came first or last or you were somewhere in between, people cheered. Um, I loved, I genuinely loved every second. Whereas I think if you threw me into that now, I would have very, very different feelings about it. Um, yeah, I spoke to Ellie Simmons about it not long ago. And she was saying like the pressure for her going into London was immense. So we had totally, totally different experiences. It would have been so nice to walk in there and just, like like yourself, just enjoy the moment. No pressure. I'm going to do my thing. Whatever happens, happens. I'll just soak up the atmosphere and use it. And looking back, I went in there, you know, reigning world champion and trying to claw back a Paralympic title. But I tried to enjoy myself as much as possible, but then also knew the pressure of, right, okay, I need to... I need to show that I'm the best in the world, still the best in the world. I'm going to try and use the crowd as much as possible. So maybe it was a bit more like performance focused rather than going, oh my God, this is amazing. Like it's, you know. <laughs> that was um, me. <laughs> yeah, which is, which, is, which is just great. And that's a sets, sets a presence from day one, doesn't it? That, you know, you've got that, that chilled out vibe about you and the way you handle your competitions now. And, and, he, and you know that you can that you can perform under the highest of pressures. Um, and I think that's what, that, that was the, kind of the best thing for me about London 2012 was the fact that it didn't feel like a pressure personally. Like f- normally you go to games and you're like, oh, wow, you know, there's lots of people here and they come to see me compete and stuff. It felt different. It felt like everybody just wanted you to perform to your best of your ability and they, they weren't judgmental and, and everybody just backed you. Yeah, they backed other countries, but, you really knew when your name was called out or you were going into the circle or you did a great performance that that was it. Like they wanted you to win. And and that was just, the, I think the really special thing for me was was just that positive energy that the crowd gave you. Did you feel it when you were in the middle, in the field? Like I'll always remember lining up and they were calling out all my competitors' names and everyone got what sounded like a massive cheer. And then they said a British athlete's name and that cheer trebled. Like it it was so loud. Did you, do you remember it the same way? Yeah. Like there was a real special moment actually. So I did something really, really sneaky. I've not told many people about this. I've, I've, I say it at a few events and stuff, but it is actually, I don't know why I did it, but I just did it. And so 
we go we as we walk out into the throwing sector um into the throwing competition area we line up in competition order and i think i was second or third and and i just i don't know why i did it but we're walking out and then just in the galleys and i had my hood up i had my sunglasses on obviously you do that when it's like nine o'clock and pitch black at night on a, <laughs> on a thursday eve um but I stood to one side and just pretended to do my shoelaces up. And I, I don't know why I did it. Well, I do know why I did it. But I thought, I want this moment to be about me. So then all the other competitors walked out in front of me. So I gave them a good, I don't know, 15 meter space. Then I started to walk out with like the chaperone. And he was like, oh, just doing your laces up. I was like, yeah. Then obviously they saw the competitors out, clapped them out. Then they saw my GB bag and, and everything. And then the roar that came from the roar that came from me just walking out into the arena was something I'll always remember and they all every single competitor looked around and I thought I've got you you know instantly it was the best kind of unplanned plan ever because psychologically they knew all the people behind me have just cheered for me and that was it like they knew that they were up against me and 80,000 people and I think psychologically it put me in a massive place i was just like yeah let's do this like like i feel really really good and and it's really weird i didn't even plan to do it but it was one of the best experiences of my life that and yeah it was just yeah that was just i guess like your moment being introduced to the crowd again we all got that as we lined up and like you say the decibels tripled but yeah it's just totally unlike me and i just yeah, normally I'm quite straight laced and thorough, you know, follow authority quite well. But I thought, do you know what? I want this moment to be about me, and I want to make sure that they understand that I'm here to to rock. <laughs> oh, honestly, that story's just giving me goosebumps because I can yeah. I can feel the noise. But you can feel, yeah, you can still feel the energy, yeah. can't you? And just the shouting and screaming of like, oh, they didn't know your name, but they wanted you to do well, and they were just crying out like, you know, and yeah, it was yeah, just incredible. And I think. I, I just feel so blessed as a thrower that I was out there for an, an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and 20, and I got to soak up your race, Dave's race, Johnny's race. I mean, I was knackered by the end of my comp. <laughs> <laughs> and I was in the infield and, and all the energy was coming in. So I was like, oh, I've, you know, I'm glad I took some strong caffeine before <laughs> beforehand. But yeah, it was, it, was, it was a special night to, I mean, a part of me had the best spectator seat in the house because I got to see you race, Dave, Johnny, all all win, and yeah, it was just incredible. You did actually have the best night of competition then to watch because that was our that was our Super Saturday, our Thriller Thursday, and yeah, you definitely had a good seat. <laughs> just phenomenal, I know, I know, and I was thinking at that point in time when Johnny crossed the line, I was winning and broke the Paralympic record, and I was like, oh, we're gonna make it four, but then obviously Jeremy Cannibal stepped up, which was a shame. <laughs> oh, what a shame! Let's get rid of him. <laughs> and, yeah. But like that support. It really was groundbreaking for for the Paralympics as a general movement. You know, that summer across the Olympic and the Paralympic Games, it really felt like a landmark event, especially for us. And I think people are always telling me, you know, London 2012 put Parasport on the map. Do you do you feel the same? And why do you think it did that? I think 2012 was special for a majority of reasons. I think it gave people hope in massive ways that they never had access to sport or even activity before. And now, you know, for me, the biggest kind of win for me was um, Laura Sugar 
getting in touch after 2012, seeing somebody else with a direct disability, the same as me, and then a couple of years later competing at a World Champs in Lyon in 2013. Oh, yeah, the year later. So she took up sprinting and didn't realise she could fit in a class just like me. And um, and that was the biggest thing for me. I think 2012 really hit home for a lot of people that I can do this. I can do what they're doing. I want to do what they're doing. And that, yeah, I mean, if that's not the biggest win for sport is to try and inspire, like we say, inspire the next generation, but also get people moving, get people active and get people in sports that can take over my position. I, I don't want to be an athlete that's lingering around. I want to be pushed left, right and centre by new new athletes coming through so that my discus um, event has got, is, is thriving and, and, you know, and it's the same with you with care. Like, is that the same position? Like somebody coming through who's seen you race and thought, do you know what? I want to do what she's doing. And 2012 gave us that. It gave the public the opportunity where they didn't think they had one. And, and I think that's the biggest win that London had. Absolutely. I totally agree. And, I mean, you're right, yeah. Sometimes I kick myself that, that Carrie watched me that night and decided that she'd pop out <laughs> like four years later and beat me. Great, thank you. But do you feel almost a responsibility to actually go out and, and inspire younger or newer audiences to not just watch what we do, but come and give it a go? Yeah, absolutely. I think the like you know the, the chance or the chance of hope of somebody just seeing you and taking up a sport um, is quite... It's quite naive and blindsided. I think we have to actively push what we do. Yes, like back in the day when I was first started Paralympics, I mean, the internet was just a thing. It wasn't, there was no social media, there was no promoting yourself into a games. There was no, you know, like there is now, you can really reach a far field and educate people about Paralympic sport, about what you do, about how hard it is or how easy it is some days and take them through a journey that they maybe not see but give them the best possible visibility of our disability. And that's, for me, London 2012 was just the precipice of like when Twitter was starting to evolve and Facebook and we could really start to promote the sport. And I think that's why it held such a great vehicle for access because when I first started, I couldn't Google Paralympic sport. I bumped into some, well, my family friend bumped into somebody with an amputee um, a leg amputee and she was a sprinter and said oh um what do you do and she said oh I went to the Paralympics in Atlanta and then oh my my, my friend's got a son who's just got a disability oh you should get him down to State Mandeville and and that's how we did it and and I think yeah like having the opportunity to promote sport far and wide rather than just hope that people see it and especially like with this competing alongside the able body guys at the British champs like yeah, there should be more than that, more of that. There should be more Grand Prix with open classes involved and we should be actively promoting that we are an equal and we are sometimes um, surpassed performance-wise um, than those guys. And, and that's where I think sometimes we let ourselves down. We don't don't actively, um, as, as a worldwide governing body and in Britain, we don't actively always get it right, but we're far further down the line than we've ever been in my especially in my career I've, you know, I've seen the Paralympic sport evolve from going on a GB international and not even having any kit <laughs> so <laughs> I mean right now you know just picked up the Team England kit for the Commonwealth Games and it's a completely inclusive experience where before we didn't have any kit we had to my mum had to sew on a British badge on a like a 
a Nike vests because they they didn't have, it wasn't kind of the the associated thing back in the day and that's how far we've come um which is great and and it should evolve again i i hope in you know 5 10 15 20 years time that we have got equal opportunities and equal pay <laughs> I feel like you've just aged yourself by about 60 years with that story you know like <laughs> I am I am I'm, I'm, I'm touching on 40 which I don't like to say too often but um no and it's just I've just just seeing it through an older an older eyes and you like you've got this to come in in years to come and hopefully when you get close to retirement you'll see a completely different side to Paralympic sport than what I've seen in my tenure so and that's the way it should be we should be progressing we should have there should be a grand prix out there with like ten thousand people bums on seats wanting to watch paralympic sport globally like there should should, we should be doing something like that and until we get there it's going to be a long slug but it takes us as athletes to really push that yeah no i completely agree and i think london 2012 did it did start to bridge that gap a little bit between the able-bodied and the paralympic sports um and recently, I know that you, you called out Athletics Weekly for maybe not their lack of focus on para-athletes as well, which, again, completely agree with. We all speak about this London legacy, and we're, we're 10 years on from it now. So do you think there is any London legacy left? Or do you think that we've still just, we've just got a lot of work to do? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say it's work in progress. I think the disappointing thing for me is there's still a disparity in the coverage that we get. Um, as Paralympic athletes and that's why I tweeted what I did because I felt so strongly that we came away from Tokyo 2020 after all we've been through pandemic everything you know probably some of the most vulnerable athletes on the planet performing out their skin and setting world records and getting gold medals and and as a team doing brilliantly and to see it not even you know I know they do it monthly now and it's not athletics weekly but it was just a shame to really miss that, that vibrant opportunity to promote Paralympic sport in the here and now when it just happened, when it's in fresh in people's minds and the new names are there and, and it's not yesterday's newspaper like further down the line. It's you need to you need to strike whilst the iron's hot in Paralympic sport and and I thought we deserve it, you know, and just the lack of coverage for me a month down the line just wasn't good enough and that's just basically why um, I did that and yeah, you know, um, in an ideal world, we would would have equality everywhere, but it's still it's going to take some time. And I think with the legacy legacy thing in twenty twelve, I think it, I think it has it has proven itself. Primarily, when you look around, not only athletics but other sports, and you see, take wheelchair um, rugby for instance, lost their funding years ago, uh, years ago, had no hope, and all of a sudden with 2012 they've built up major kind of road shows to try and encourage people and actively go out and search for people to join the rugby team it's thriving they've now got wheelchair rugby Leicester Tigers Northampton Saints so they're getting in with the rugby mix lo and behold you apply some promotion on a sport and then they come back with a Paralympic gold medal because they've actually gone out there and promoted the sport and got people in and this is and this is my gripe sometimes with Paralympic sport is yes it won't evolve if you don't promote it enough and it's all in the promotion and it, if you, the wider your net is to get people in whether it's in the media whether it's sponsors whether it's events whether it's athletes 
the wider net you can get in and scoop them up and get them involved and get them infused and and open the that open the floodgates for the the public whether they want to compete whether they want to come and watch and it's all about opportunity and that's where we really need to I still think it's yeah it's in it's better because when you look around there's more athletes competing from more countries you know winning kind of the same amount of medals so it's more competitive but in the same breath it could be a whole lot better yeah absolutely and I think you know you touched on it briefly earlier about the para inclusion now in the British Championships in uh, the Birmingham Diamond League that was back in May the Commonwealth Games that we were both competed at I'm hoping that this will narrow the gap again you know people will watch us at these championships at these games and they'll go oh Paralympic sport's awesome I really want to watch more of this do you think maybe Birmingham and maybe events like this and is it time for a new legacy to be born you know do we need to move on from London and remember it it's all its glory but actually go you know what our sport is bigger now it's better it's stronger we've got new names here they are look at what they can do oh absolutely I think as Brits, we love to we love a memory. We love to dwell on the past, <laughs> but also as, as a Paralympic nation, where our evolution is unbeatable. Like there's no other country that has pushed Paralympic sport to the absolute limit to get people involved and to give Paralympians opportunities than the Brits. Like we're you know we instigated the Paralympic Grand Prix finals, Birmingham, London. You know, we're in all the diamond and diamond leagues, and it's only other countries have started to really push that as well. And so we're innovators in that massively. I think, yeah, Birmingham, any anywhere that's high profile with big media outlets, we should be celebrated and we should be equally promoted as well. And this is the big chance to kind of, like you say, get new names out there, new rivalries, everything that is exciting about Paralympic sport should be promoted to the hills. Absolutely. I visit schools now and uh, I go, so kids, do you remember London 2012? And they put their hand up and go, Miss, I was born in 2017. And you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Thank you for making me feel absolutely ancient. <laughs> well, here's a video just to jog your memory. <laughs> and they watch it and they go, can't see it, Miss, it's all pixeled. Yeah. Imagine mine. Oh, it's black and white. Can't even... <laughs> VHS what's VHS <laughs> we don't use that yeah. nowadays absolutely not I mean going back to London 2012 we've kind of gone off on a tangent absolutely but do you remember much from the build-up of the games did you feel like when you were going in did you feel like yeah this is going to be something big and something really special and something's about to happen or were you I mean that's where I was I was everywhere as you can imagine or were you just 100% focused on, on the competition and what you needed to go in and do? We Obviously, we stayed in the Robinsons Resort, didn't we? Which was very plush, very nice, very calm. Oh, it was lovely. <laughs> so it was all, it was almost like, I don't, I can't even think of an analogy to use, but it was like just, just a nice five-star resort that we could go and train and everything was nice. And you got your dinner served for you. I felt like we were on holiday. Going to dining hall, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice weather, yeah, like just like mixing it up with the locals and and the germans on holiday there and then i can can remember that my my best memory and i thought this was just epic was london in london and then well we obviously didn't didn't have to do bag check or anything else like that we just we just then hopped into our own bmws and i was like this is sick (laughs) i was like this is this is a bit of me um and we just hopped into a bmw and that took us straight to the village and we had like our own chauffeured bmw and they were all just using the olympic express lane 
and we went from Heathrow to Stratford in I don't know about twenty five minutes. It was super fast. All the traffic, there was no traffic, and I can remember sitting in the car thinking, "Yeah, this is really cool." And then we got to the accreditation center, and like we just yeah, when we landed, it was literally just as kind of the flames were being lit um, in the stadium, and all the fireworks were going off. We, and I walked in, and I walked into our apartment, and everyone was basically having a party without having a party. It was like everyone was dressed up in their opening so many gear and it was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I was like, I didn't even know whether I was sleeping in that apartment, but I just walked in because it looked good fun. And Dave was like, yeah, yeah, this is amazing. And I was like, all oh, right, we'll best go and find out where I'm staying. And after the ceremony had finished, and he's like, you're upstairs, mate. I was like, oh, right, okay. <laughs> um, so he was just in such a daze. But yeah, I, I just think, yeah, going from that really surreal, serene, chilled out, atmosphere in the robinsons to then almost like just being thrust upon this environment where everything was just i don't know how you found it but just a million miles an hour just the whole the whole thing you know what yeah i think i was just looking forward to getting in that village i'd heard so many stories that once i'd got in there i was just let loose no one could find me for the first 24 hours because i was in the food hall sampling every meal checking out everyone's accommodation going to the gift shop going to the salon like you name it i'd done it in the first 10 minutes of being in that village because <laughs> it, it really is it, it's you'd so many people ask me like what's it like in the paralympic or olympic village and it you know what you say it and you're like everything's free whatever you want it's just there and it just sounds like this little dream world doesn't it it is amazing isn't it it's, it's so and, and that's the thing you have to like i was exactly the same my first one i was like mcdonald's that's free i beg your pardon <laughs> <laughs> i think i'll have that three times a day but then i was like actually no you're an athlete no no let's refrain from that we'll do that after we compete and um and it is it's it's yeah it's just on a, it's just on a different level and everybody is just in the same boat and yeah, it was just such a hype. And like one of my favourite memories was um was me and Dave, and I've mentioned him a lot, but we we spent a lot of time a lot of time procrastinating in that in that time before yeah, <laughs> a lot before of time our, together. Uh, he had a lot more races <laughs> than I did. Um and every morning we'd just go to the I don't know whether you can remember, we had like these little huts so you'd just get like a porridge part and you get a coffee. And then so we took a stroll there and then we just used to sit um where the casual dining was and just look at the stadium and just drink our coffees every morning It'd be westfield center to the side and obviously we got typical british heat wave as well for the week's worth of athletics and sport which was just amazing but yeah every morning we did it and even if he'd so he competed and won his first medal and then that, that night before and then in the morning he's like come for a coffee mate i was like yeah absolutely and it's just one of those moments where I think, oh, do you know what? Like looking back, it was just in the melee that was London 2012, where you couldn't even walk to Boots in the Westfield without getting mobbed, or you know, for that emergency hair gel that you forgot, or like you lost in your <laughs> lost in your um, hand luggage or something like that, you had to take it out. But um, yeah, it was the whole melee and the whole madness that was London 2012. It's nice to have those chilled moments and you just think like we've like we're good friends and it that's what kind of made it made the whole thing for me everybody got on everyone had a great time our performances were just absolutely mind-blowing and it'd be interesting to see your take on this like as a kind of first thing did you did you get more and more as you went on thinking everyone's doing so well 
I want I want a piece of the action because I found myself obviously just I was just like oh do you know what this is amazing like everyone's doing amazing is that kind of what you put down to one of your attributes of winning is just that you think people come back with a medal you're like before you've even competed yeah that's me I've seen it now and I want to see it absolutely yeah you know going out there and I was actually one of the first medals that we won so I remember winning my first gold and I obviously just wanted to go out and do the team proud like that's what you want to do when you pull on that vest you want to make everyone around you so so proud of what you've achieved so that was kind of my aim going in the first time and I'll always remember crossing that line winning my first Paralympic gold medal and and just I just wasn't ready for it so I got off the track as quick as I could and then I remember watching Dave I watched every single one of Dave's races um I watched Shelly Woods win silver um in the marathon I was just watching all my friends do so so well so winning the 200 on that incredible thriller Thursday um I milked that I milked that so much. I it's like uh, the slowest victory lap in the world. I did forty-five minute victory lap and I missed my own medal ceremony. So, oh jeez, because <laughs> I felt like the first time I didn't make the most of it enough. Yeah. You know, I kind of like did a little wave and just got out of there as quick as I could. Um, and I think, yeah, I think just nothing, nothing could have prepared you for the reception that we got, and and just for yeah, I think the more medals Paralympics GB started bringing in because we did absolutely kill it that games just the more and more I was more determined to go out there and, and absolutely smash that second race and be like, yeah, this is this is my time. You know, no one knows it, but this is my time. And it was cool. But I mean, you've won multiple medals of various games that I've already mentioned. And this is a really hard question, I feel, because I get asked it a lot as well. Which one is the most special? Was it the gold? Was it Sydney with it being your first games? Was it London being a home games? Was it Rio for some unknown reason? <laughs> Whenever people people have asked that a lot, um, and each one, as you well know, and everyone everyone that is that lucky to get you know to reach that kind of pinnacle in sport is each one holds a, such a surreal kind of memory. I think like you can't not Athens two thousand and four like to reach the pinnacle of your sport at the highest level is is something that is undeniable like you you can't there's no there's no second place to that is there like literally <laughs> and and for me like yeah the medal was yeah it was a world record throw that I won with yeah my second games like just a dodgy haircut I must admit but um <laughs> the best one of the best games I think I've been to in in terms of everything went to plan we were silver in Sydney and fresh on the game. And I was like, right, it's gold from here on in. And that really set us up for like kind of like the eight year and beat and run. You're right. Every every medal has its own story. It has its own reasons. It has its own battle for you to get there and, and win it. So it's it's always hard. Where do you keep your medals? I get Again, I get asked this all the time and I hate it as a question, but now I'm intrigued. Nah, I used to keep them in the village vault in the bank, but... Yeah, oh. they said they after 2012, they're like, oh, you can keep them here if you want. I was, I was thinking, this is a bit dodgy. But then they were like, no, actually, yeah, you, you can keep them there. But I don't actually know. So I think some are at my parents' house, some are here. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question, Hannah. I best go and check. <laughs> what about you? It used to be my sock drawer, but then I was like, they're getting a bit smelly, so best to... <laughs> you know what? I did, actually, I did actually used to keep mine in socks because London did 2012 you? didn't come with like... No, a yeah, little yeah. bag or anything, did it? It was in a big no. box. Yeah, it was um, in a big box. So I did keep mine. Mine are actually, all except Tokyo, I've got Tokyo here behind the telly. Yeah. 
um, please no one rob me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else is literally in a box at mum and dad's. Uh, it's funny, isn't it? People expect that we, I don't know, people are always like, you must sleep with these, you must carry them everywhere. And I'm like, no, not really. Yeah, someone says, why, why are they not on your mantelpiece? I was like, A, who has a mantelpiece? And B, <laughs> why? <laughs> well, I have got one, but it's like, it's only a really thin marble one and you can't even hardly put pictures on. But wouldn't it just be so self-indulged to be like, yep, come into the lounge and come see the medals are on the mantelpiece? <laughs> I feel like, what kind of person does that? Um and I don't know about you, but I I don't have any apart from a few vests that are framed in the office. That's it. Like it's not because I don't want to show off what I've achieved, but this is just my home. Like I don't want it to be like a showroom. Like um, when people come round, I just like it to be a home. And people, are, oh, well, why haven't you got this here? And well, just because they look really weird on the mantelpiece. <laughs> Dan. First British track and field athlete to win medals at six consecutive games. How many more games are we going to get out of Discus Down? Didn't they better ask the wife that question? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Tokyo for me, number six, I was like, I said in Rio, I was like, nah, that's it. I'm in a stupidly, in the heat of the moment, just won, yeah, like my fifth medal. I was like, yeah, yeah, this is great. Nah, I'm going to finish after the World Champs in 2017. That didn't go to plan. So then we stayed on and um, PB'd in 2018. I was like, oh, okay, life in the old dog, yeah. And yeah, we did uh, we did Tokyo and I was in actually phenomenal shape. Some of the best throws I've ever done in my life. And then the rain put pay to that. So I'm kind of thinking like, you know, it's dangled a carrot to say, there's still more in you. You can still go again. You can still, you know, get the business done. And seven would just be, yeah, incredible. So we're just taking it year on year. And we're only a couple of years out from Paris, so it's like, yeah, it's one of those things where I, do, I hate hedging my bets as well. So first job is Paris, World Champs next year, and then second job is Paris in 2024. Touch wood. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I 100% believe that you're going to make it seven for seven. You nail it every time, and it's a real pleasure and a privilege to be on a team with you every year. So... Thank you very much for coming and chatting to me. No, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been great to catch up. Thank you for sharing your stories as well. It's been so nice to yeah. reminisce and remember the magic that was London 2012. I'm going to go get my medal now and hug it. <laughs> you need to find it first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Paralympics GB podcast with Hannah Cockcroft. For more info on Paralympics GB, head to paralympics.org.uk and follow us on the socials at Paralympics GB. Also, don't forget to hit subscribe or follow wherever it is you are listening to this show, as there are more fantastic guests lined up that I can't wait for you to hear. Thanks for listening and see you next time.